Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and we're going to start with the big report yesterday. No, I'm sorry. It was Wednesday it came out. A lot going on Wednesday because yesterday we didn't have any releases. So they either had to have everything come out on Wednesday or wait till Friday. And usually with data, you want to get it out as quickly as possible. So a lot of reports came out on Wednesday. And one of them was the National Association of Realtors third quarter report about metro areas, the 183 measured markets. I'm going to go with the top 183. And I say that because I saw Wilmington on the list and I said, oh, well, clearly it's the top 183 markets. So that's what I'm going with. And they, of course, found that the median sales price rose in 99% of those markets. But, and this is important, the rate of rise, the rate of appreciation actually slowed compared to Q2. It was up. 16% from one year ago, the median sales price of a single family existing home was $363,700. So still impressive, still double digit climb, but it was much lower than it was in Q2 where we saw 22.9% growth. So here we go, another data point to prove that things are starting to cool in the housing market. Once again, not slow, not decline, or I should say it is slowing, but I'm saying is is that we're not going backwards. It's not declining. We're seeing a slowing of the pace of growth. So we're still moving forward, still growing, but things are kind of reverting back to normal. Now, regionally, the Northeast led the way in Q3 with 17.5% year-over-year growth, followed by, of course, The South at 14.9%. In the Midwest, barely edged out the West. The Midwest was at 10.7% and the West at 10.3%. Now, like I mentioned, 99% of markets saw an increase. 78% of markets experienced double-digit year-over-year growth. And three metro areas saw annual appreciation of 30% or more. Top spot, what do you think it was? It was in Texas, Austin, Round Rock, Texas, 33.5% annual appreciation, followed by Naples, Imokali, Marco Island, I think I said the uh, second part, right? Up 32%, and then Boise City, Idaho, 31.5%. So that's impressive, right? We're seeing 33% growth. I thought that might be the most impressive stat in this report, but in my opinion, it was actually this one. Four markets are in the two comma club. Four metro areas, I should say, are in the two comma club. That means that the median sales price of a single family existing home is over a million dollars. And in one case, way over, closing in on that two million mark. San Jose, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, California, that metro area took the top spot at $1.65 million. <laughs> like that, that is such a, that's the median sales price of a single family owned. $1.65 million. Oh, of course, followed by San Francisco, or San Francisco, Oakland, 
and Hayward, California at $1.35 million. And at number three, yeah, you guessed it, California, Anaheim, Santa Ana, Irvine, California at $1.1 million. And then four, no, it was not California. It was uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. Just under $1.1 million at one. $1,047,800. So <laughs> four, there are four metro markets in this country. Now, of course, three out of the four are in California, which is not all that surprising. I mean, that's why the West region has an average home price of over $500,000. I mean, you have places in California that it's a million dollars. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. So not surprisingly, we're talking about the two comma club, uh, two comma club. Affordability is something that people are worrying about. And we saw once again, affordability dropped in the third quarter. The average monthly mortgage payment on an existing single family home rose to $1,214. This is an increase of $156 from one year ago. So not a crazy jump, but we are talking about over 10%. And this happened despite mortgage rates falling nine basis points to an average in the third quarter of 2.92%. So that is a sign that prices are very high. As we all know, when mortgage rates are dropping and the average mortgage payment is increasing. Now for first time home buyers, it's an even worse situation. The typical mortgage payment on a 10% down payment loan increased to 25.2% of the median family income that is up from 22.6% one year ago. And it's important to remember that when you're talking about these numbers, affordability is usually considered right around 25%. So people that are spending more than 25% of their income on a mortgage payment, that house is looked at as being unaffordable. It's not something that people can do. And so now we have just barely, just barely crossed that threshold, 25.2%. And yet, even if home prices slow, the problem that you're running into is, well, mortgage rates are going to be going up. And that's why Lawrence Young, chief economist at the National Association of Realtors, said that rising rates and inventory should slow prices even more going forward, saying, quote, home prices are continuing to move upward, but the rate at which they ascended slowed in the third quarter. I expect more homes to hit the market as early as next year, and that additional inventory combined with higher mortgage rates should markedly reduce the speed of price increases. So we're still not hearing any argument for home prices to decline. We're just being told that they're going to slow their ascension. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, affordability is going to be a big issue. We have mortgage rates going up, home prices continuing to go up. That affordability problem is going to get worse before it gets better, unless we can get more inventory out there and that will slow prices even further. And that's why I'm always... Build, baby, build. That's what I want to see happen. All right, uh, we're going to keep it a short podcast on this Friday. Uh, one more one more data set to get to, not from that report. Uh, jobless claims also, once again, they came out on Wednesday, not Thursday like they normally do. So it actually would make no difference on the podcast because I usually talk about them on Friday. But I did want to let you know that the data is a little 
older than normal. Jobless claims actually missed expectations, but they still fell for the sixth week in a row. According to the Department of Labor, initial jobless claims for the week ending November the 6th were 267,000, which is a decrease. It actually, it fell 4,000. This is the lowest level for initial claims since March 14th, 2020. However, they were expecting claims to fall just a little bit more. So they did miss expectations, but at least they are still moving in the right direction. Now this drop, well, thanks to the District of Columbia, led the way with 3,031 fewer claims. In California, the number fell 2,540. In Louisiana, down 1,292. Now, interestingly enough, jobless claims fall, continuing claims increase which means, yes, they also missed expectations as well. Continuing claims were 2.16 million. That's a 60,000 claim increase from the previous week's revised level. Now, California led the way with 42,146 increase, followed by Illinois at 9,051 and the District of Columbia, 4,544. Now, remember, continuing claims lag initial jobless claims. But to me, I thought it was kind of interesting that you have jobless claims coming out for the week of November the 6th. You have the you have California and the District of Columbia helping to lead the way with initial jobless claims dropping, but then continuing claims for the week of October the 30th, California and DC helping or in this case hurting, I guess, by increasing continuing claims. So I thought it was interesting that both those states were in both categories, helping and hurting, unfortunately. Uh, Lindsay Pigeza, chief economist at Stiffel Financial, told the Wall Street Journal that claims will continue to fall as the pandemic ends, saying, quote, as schools reopen, as daycares reopen, as more facilities accommodate the needs of working women, more will come back to the workforce but there's no guarantee they will all come back. And that's why there's this big discussion right now about what's going to happen with you know these job openings, which, by the way, we are getting this morning. We're going to get the latest job opening data, but we know it's going to be big compared to what's happening with the unemployment report. I mean, you have this big disconnect where we're still missing about four million jobs, but we seem to be closer to a tighter labor force and closer to full employment which is why economists' heads are kind of exploding. And I know there's a lot of factors. We've talked about retirement, uh, working women not being able to go back to work because daycare and schools and, of course, the impact of coronavirus. So I get all of that. But it is an interesting situation where we have these just massive amount of job openings and no one willing to fill these jobs. So we'll keep an eye on it. You guys have a great weekend. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. I'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.